you know, all of this work is work that um, I have experienced and I have gone through and has really changed my life. And I see, you know, each time I have um, body work in this way, whether it's self-treatment or whether it's treatment from other people, where I am releasing um, past trauma, you know, I come out the other side and it's like, I just sink so much more into me and who I am and being able to like take the things that are my essence and share them. That was Sarah Geis and this is episode 27 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. How are you all doing in this strange cosmic season of all the retrograde and all the eclipses and you know an energy around us that can feel really heavy at times you know if you are feeling it you're always welcome to write to me to you know check me out on facebook or on instagram and let me know how things are going because as highly sensitive people we're really in this thing you know sensing the most subtle components of this life together and we often don't feel like we're together because you know if you think of us being only 15 to 20 percent of the population we're often kind of spread out right so you know i know that in my membership group the refuge the refuge for sacred rebellion we've been talking about this you know what's going what's up for people and this is the time in my practice when everybody calls me and that's fine. I'm so glad that I'm, you know, the person, that I'm the the healer that you could call when, you know, the shit hits the fan. And and I just want to validate that if this season has been rough for you, you are not alone, sister. Oh, so personal news that I say, huh, because I don't even know where to start. Um, I'm having some really challenging things uh, happening in my marriage and um, and so thus my personal and family life. And, you know, I think that on one hand, I think that everything is perfect. And, you know, this season, this eclipse season is really helping illuminate some of the shadow <clears throat> that's been in our relationship. And so we're in this process of kind of marching through the shadows and seeing where we can bring light. And it's so fucking uncomfortable right? You know, I know we often talk about healing, like rainbows and unicorn farts and like, like we, you really know it's not, right? I mean, let's, let's be real. Um, There's something incredibly brave and, and courageous too about healing. It takes a lot of courage to heal and it can be really uncomfortable while you're in it. And it's okay to have both of those things, to know that at some point you're going to look back on this and say, wow, like that, you know, that took a lot of grace and a lot of courage um, and a lot of gumption, you know, for, for me to come out of that. And it really sucked while I was in it. Right. So if, if you're out there um, in kind of a sucky time period, I just want to validate that, um, yeah, it gets to be healing and sucky at the same time. And as fate or, you know, planning, I suppose, would have it, we are focusing this month, uh, the month of August, on relationships in the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. And we've had one of our members 
Heidi Tillman come up and talk about her extensive knowledge in relationships and where we're covering, you know, what it's like to be in relationships as a highly sensitive person. What it, what does it look like? How is it different? Um, and, and how do we do our own work so that we can show up uh, in those relationships? So, you know, if you're interested in exploring things like this, um, you know, what it's like to live a sensitive, creative life, then join the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. You can do that at my website, and the link will be in the show notes. The other super exciting thing coming up is that we're having my School for Sacred Rebellion is having our first public event on Saturday, September 1st in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. If you live in Seattle and you know Fremont, we're going to be hanging out at the Fremont Abbey from 10 to 2. And you can walk in and get a free energy healing or a reading or both as much as time space allows. If you're not in Seattle, there are a few slots where you can sign up online and receive those free services from our healers and readers. And those are filling up very quickly, my friends. Um, <clears throat> there is a space on my website where you can RSVP to let us know you're coming, but you don't have to. We would so much rather that you show up than not show up. Um, and if you are curious about how sensitivity can guide us towards intuition intuition, and having a really clear use for intuition, that's what the school is all about, is taking highly sensitive people who I believe are primed for intuition and just sharpening that skill. And that's what the school is about. And we have some healers and readers who are so, so excited for the event. Um, and we're featuring... Um, a different student in the Facebook event group every every day, every other day or so. So you can like meet us and like see a picture of us before you come and hang out with us and have us, um, you know, look into the recesses of your soul. No, it's not. It's not that scary. But, uh, you know, you can get to know us. You can get a feel, a sense, see if it resonates for you. We would really, really love it if you came. I'm really excited to share this conversation today with Sarah Geis. Sarah does what I consider to be kind of cornerstone work for highly sensitive people because she works with our connective tissue and our fascia in a way that helps calm, soothe, and restore the nervous system. Sarah is a physical therapist who focuses on women's pelvic floor physical therapy. She utilizes John F. Barnes' myofascial release as her go-to manual therapy. She focuses on aligning and healing the body and mind, as well as the spirit and energetic body. She is a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology from the University of Pittsburgh and a doctorate in physical therapy from the University of New England, but considers life experience to be her greatest teacher. In addition to jumping through the hoops of a formal education, she's pieced together tools to help people get inside their body and acti activate their innate ability to heal themselves. She firmly believes that you can't take others where you haven't gone. Thus, working with her own chronic pain has allowed her to be a guide for others. This conversation gets so deep and juicy, my friends, um, that I am just going to let it happen. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah. One of the, this is something that I, gosh, learned years ago when I was getting as, as much 
information as I could about high sensitivity, but was a connection between highly sensitive individuals and connective tissue disorders and or connective tissue just issues. Yeah. In general. And I found when I, when I found that out, I realized there's like this humongous amount of information about fascia, about connective tissue that like nobody really talks about. Right. And is critical. So do you want to tell us like about fascia? Like what is it? Why is it important? (laughs) So I'll give you my intro spiel. Um, Yeah. The fascia is a connective tissue and it goes around and through every part of our body, basically, and really around and through every cell of our body. So that can feel a little bit kind of overwhelming, but you're thinking about like all of your muscles, all of your organs, all of your bones. um, And it is there to kind of protect and hold and give shape to and obviously connect um, all of those parts of our body. Um, And I think a lot of times we think of it as, I don't know, I don't eat meat, but for those of us that are meat eaters, um, it's like the the white stuff that you have to get out of the way when you're cleaning a chicken, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. But um, at that point, it's not having the fluidity that it has when we're alive. And so there's a really um, important aspect of the fascial system that is fluidity that um, really allows information to be moving through the system. And so when I talk about fascia, I recognize that I'm talking about it um, from a scientific perspective, but also that there is a whole other perspective that not all scientists are really going to get down with. And that really is that this tissue has the ability to um, move information very quickly, um, that there is um, you know, electricity and photons that are able to move through this tissue. And so, you know, when you're starting to look at like the um, Chinese meridian system, you know, there's always been this kind of like, yes, but we we can't find it in the body and where could it possibly be, right? And it's kind of like, um, hello, did you ever look over here? And everybody's like, no, when we're, you know, dissecting cadavers, that's just the stuff that we get out of the way because it doesn't have anything going on there. but there's a lot going on there. So um, that's the really the focus of the manual therapy that I do mm-hmm. um, is using that system that really, because it's all completely interconnected, creates this web. So if you were to take away everything else that's not fascia, you would still have the same shape. Um, and because it's an interconnected web, if you are to kind of create tension in one part of that web, you can actually access just about every other part of that web, which just makes it a really amazing um, way to work through the body. Yes. My first experience with what I understood to be fascial work, maybe I had something that I didn't know was that um, Mm -hmm. before was I had had a back injury for, um, I think at this point it was like two and a half years. And we got to the point I was working with a manual therapist who was excellent in her field, but we got to the point where nothing was getting better. And she's like, you know, I'm going to call my teacher and her teacher had gone into the field of visceral manipulation and working with fascia. And 
she did something that that I've experienced many times now since, but at the time was like this new thing to me where she listened, that's what she called mm-hmm. it, listening to yeah. the the fascia and, and where the tension point was. And mm-hmm. she kept you know, she started where the kind of where the injury was and then she moved. She's like, Well, it's not there, it's not there. And she keeps moving up. She finally says, Did you ever fall on your head? And I said, well, yeah, when I was two, I had a really significant fall. I fell off of a weight bench and fell on my head onto a cement floor on a wrench, like really bad fall. Pretty, you know? Yeah, pretty you significant. Know, pretty significant. She's like, hold on, hold on. The right side of your head, you know, and she tracked it all the way up. And, and then that was kind of the beginning of our therapy together was, was basically re- re- relieving tension from this thing that had affected me when I was two years old. Right. Yeah, and it and was think- like miraculous. I mean, like not only did it, you know, eventually help the injury that I had, but like my menstrual cramps went away and like my vertigo went away. And I mean, it was like miraculous. All of these things that have been going on for so long. Yeah. 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 Right. That I've been seeing like four different doctors for. My right. husband at the time thought I was a hypochondriac. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And what I love about the work that I do is, um, you know, before I became a myofascial release therapist, people would come into my office and, you know, it was like, okay, so what's bothering you? And they would have these huge lists. And I was like, okay, but I can only deal with your ankle. Right. And now that I have this understanding of how everything is so connected and, and the ability to engage in that, um, people will give me these lists and I'll be like, yeah, is there anything else? (laughs) You know, like tell me what's really going on. Like you can actually share all of that with me and I can hold that space for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a relief to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, so something that I find in my practice is that this is something that at some point or another, I'm almost recommending to every highly sensitive person who comes through the door because we all live in these bodies and, um, and, fascia is so important. And I think that what you said about there's this aspect of fascia that as an information system that maybe not all scientists are going to agree with, but this is how I keep seeing it show up, at least in my intuitive practice um, for us highly sensitive people. And and I, I made this connection when I was reading Liz Koch's work on the psoas and how she Mm -hmm. talks about the psoas and connective tissue and and how different tissues relay information. And she kind of was talking about fascia like the, you know, like the structure through which the electrical impulses, you know, run through. So like the power lines aren't the power, like they're not the electricity, they hold that current. And she was talking about it like that. And when I think about the nervous system of a highly sensitive person with all the extra information, like scientifically, we've got extra information, we're processing it deeper through our systems. So of course, like, of course, the structure through which that information is processed would be affected. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting. I mean, um, if you look at the speed that neurons are actually able to carry information through our bodies, it's significantly Mm -hmm. slower than the speed of light and the speed of electricity. And so I think a lot of us, especially those of us that are highly sensitive, 
understand like knowing something instantaneously through your body to the core. Um, and I think that's a different, you know, level of knowing it's a different way of communicating than um, information coming in through your foot, traveling to the spinal cord, and then going down to your quadriceps and saying like, ah, you know, get, get off that, you know, that kind of thing. So, right. um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to look at that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk more about your work and particularly how you've seen it um, help people and, um, you know, the kinds of healings that you're doing with people Mm -hmm. just by working on their tissues. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to say that I I really haven't had the chance to yet, and um, I'm not even sure if it's in my introduction, is that the type of myofascial release that I do is John F. Barnes myofascial release. And I think that's really important because myofascial release in a lot of ways has kind of become like a catch-all phrase that's put out there a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's done in, you know, many, many, many different ways. Um, and so, you know, when you go to somebody that does myofascial release, you may have a good experience, you might have a bad experience, and you might have an experience where, unlike the experience that you had, Anna, that somebody is actually listening to the tissue and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the training that I get is really focused on um, finding what we call the barrier in the tissue. And also, I would say the barrier energetically as well. Um, so you're really engaging into the body and into the nervous system and the energetic system, really just to the level that the person that you're working on is really able to receive. And so one of the things that I think is kind of the most profound about the type of work that I do is people are like, oh, you're actually like feeling what's going in on in my body and you are just there right and that's what I love is is yeah I'm not there trying to force anything to happen and make anything to happen because all that's going to do is shut somebody's nervous system down right and put them into protection mode Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just that experience alone of having somebody represent your boundaries in a very real way um, and listen to what it is that your body is is telling them. Um, just that alone, I think, is just so profound for people. Um, I think for for people that really are able to be in their body and, and are used to getting um, body work, there's just this element of like, oh, and they just start to let go a little bit more, um, which is really cool. Right. You know, then the nervous system actually starts to relax. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm really glad that you specified the type of work that you're doing because a lot of times, the first time that I'll say, okay, I think that you need to be doing some connective tissue work. Like I can see how, because um, part of my work, I can see restriction intuitively. I can't do anything about it. You know, I right. can I can help move some energy, but I can't yeah. move the restriction. I'm not trained there. Um, but what they'll often say is like, oh, you know, well, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't really like deep work or I have someone yeah. I know who goes really deep and there's this sense of like, okay, I'm going to guard myself Definitely. against this work that's going to, you know, go in and change structure. And 
what I hear you saying and, and the body workers that I work with saying is like, no, we're going to go and have a conversation with your body and with your nervous system to kind of renegotiate how it's holding itself now and, and perhaps see if there's a better solution. Yeah. You know, I often say to people like, I'm just going in and it's almost like I'm highlighting that restriction to your system. And then I'm just hanging out and giving your system the opportunity to figure out is there a different way here? And the fascial system is so um, dynamic. Um, it is just so able to respond to that in so many ways. So one of the things that I really um, love working with is people who have had multiple surgeries, especially abdominal and pelvic surgeries, because there's so much um, effect on our system in general that happens with that. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> a fun place for me to work, <laughs> which is kind of weird for a lot of people. But, um, you know, it's not that I'm going in there and working on a, on a scar tissue, a scar that then that tissue is going to appear like the scar is no longer there. But what I do, it's, it's almost just kind of like giving that system a chance to figure out like, okay, is there a way to kind of, um, integrate what has happened to us and allow us to be able to do what we still need to do here. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really cool. And what I just, I, what I so love about, you know, this approach that you're, that you're talking about is that it, you know, if, if we're talking about the fascia as something that's receptive and dynamic and, you know, maybe very, you may categorize it as feminine or lunar in nature, just meaning that it has, you know, it, it, it it's not just action oriented, right? It needs the integration, um, some listening, all of that. It just opens up. I just feel like it expands the conversation on what health is and what um, what our body may need. And part of what I'm thinking of right now is I have a student who you know has had some back issues, and something that she said is that like, oh well, you know, the person I go to just says I just have to strengthen my core. I just have to strengthen my core. I just, and I'm kind of like, yes. And, you right. know, she's being told that she needs to strengthen her core and lose weight. And, and yeah. while I'm sure that those things would be helpful, I feel like there's a much bigger picture happening. And so For I sure. love, um, so I, first of all, I just love to hear your take on just like the, the options that this opens up because now all of a sudden we have more space for a more dynamic um, right. conversation with the body. Yeah. Well, and if you think about strengthening, you can strengthen all you want, but if you have a fascial restriction that isn't allowing that muscle to contract the way it needs to be contracting, that strength can't be utilized in the proper way. Exactly. Because the environment's not set up for it. Yeah. Something that we were um, talking a little bit about um, beforehand was you know, really popular advice given to women is strengthen your pelvic floor and do lots of yeah. exercises. And um, can we just like talk about the pelvic floor for a can little bit? Can we just say that like, <laughs> please stop telling everybody just to strengthen. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is like something that I really feel like I can get up on like my um, soapbox about <laughs> mm -hmm. because um, this has been the information that we've been given for so long. I think probably as, as soon as we um, started talking about the pelvic floor muscles and as soon as Kegels became something that um, were talked about, um, you know, between people that weren't medical professionals, um, 
And it's so frustrating. So if you think about the things that your pelvic floor does, um, it is there to be able to enable you to have intercourse, to have babies, to go to the bathroom, and it also acts as a sump pump, um, which means that it's kind of contracting and relaxing as a way to move fluidity through that area. Um, and then it also acts as a support system, right? So of, out of all of those things, the support system is really the only one that's really focused on contraction. <laughs> right. Um, in order to have sex, in order to have babies, those muscles need to be able to relax. Um, and the flip side of that is that in order for those muscles to be able to contract, they have to be able to relax as well. So um, I often demonstrate this to people by using my hand. So that's kind of hard to do um, on a podcast. But, you know, if you can imagine if you held a book in your hand and you held your elbow at 90 degrees and you walked around like that all day long, and then somebody asked you to lift something using your bicep, you're, at that point, your bicep is totally shot. It's like not actually able to do anything, right? And so, um, there are so many people that I see that are walking around with those muscles contracted all of the time and they have no idea about it. Um, and so until I can get them to figure out how to relax those muscles and open up and let go and get rid of any restrictions that may be preventing them from doing that, strengthening doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's one of the things I get really passionate about, that and, and birthing as well, because I, I work with so many women um, who have given birth, um, whether it was 60 years ago or whether it was six weeks ago, um, that are dealing with what that means to their body, to their system, to you know, their, whole, their whole being. Um, and I think, you know... When I first started, I was seeing more of the, like, I gave birth 60 years ago, and now I'm like, yes, I'm starting to work with those women that, like, have just given birth and really being able to heal um, some of what's going on there, and then I'm like, and now I want to work with you before you give birth, and, you know, yes. really just get you ready to understand um, how that process works and understand it in a core physical um, you know, almost animalistic level. Um, right, like the actual function, like not just yeah. like what, you know, outsiders, you know, male doctors have like decided about our female yeah. anatomy, but like right. actually like the functionality. Yeah. How this actually works. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and when I um, gave birth a couple of years ago, the the birth class that I was in was actually like a natural, like, natural birth class um and the the in, instructor was like you, you should be doing like 50 kegels a day and i was like that's wrong like i just <laughs> i know that that is wrong and and yeah. and and she, she you know she'd been in this industry for a really long time and she just had kind of a an older view or an older mindset on you know on that anatomy and so luckily right. i had a really good physical therapist, um, who works with, with birth. And I was like, that's wrong. Right. You know, like, she's like, yeah, like your, your, your pelvic floor is actually like really strong right now. It's holding a bowling ball. 
on top of right. all of the things that it's been holding. So let's talk about the other, you know, she would then talk about, let's talk about all the other things it needs to do. And she would have me do relaxation exercises. Like, can you actually relax all the way? Mm -hmm. That was a mind bender for me. Yeah. Because no one's yeah. ever been like, you know, except you lay down for a massage, people are like, relax, but like, no, really relax. Like get all yeah. the tension out. That's really tricky. It is really tricky. And um, yeah, it, it takes so much. And, and, you know, especially with birthing, it's not just necessarily the, the physical relaxation that we can create and control. It's the physical right. relaxation that our, um, you know, our, our parasympathetic nervous system allows. And so when we're in a situation where people are coming into a room and wanting to stick their fingers in our vagina, um, you know, it's like that sympathetic nervous system kicks in and then birthing can't happen the way that it really was meant to happen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, or it can if you are really entirely trusting and feel completely comfortable. Um, but there's really not a sense for how the autonomic nervous system is engaged with all the things that we think of as proper, you know, proper birthing um, techniques and um, how that affects the actual process. So let's talk about this for a little bit then. Let's go into a bit of the nervous system. I've talked about the nervous system before on the show, but I, I want to talk specifically about the nervous system and what it, what the activation of the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nervous system does with tissues and tension mm. in our body. And I think this is just so important for as highly sensitive people who we, you know, we have that um, extra active, I'm not going to call it overreactive because fuck that. We have an extra active amygdala, right? <laughs> so that emotional part of our brain gets activated more often than somebody who's not a highly sensitive person. Our right. mirror right. neurons are activated more often. So we're more often in empathy um, and that those things can have effects on our on our, on our sympathetic and parasympathetic activation. So what do those things do in the body, like in, in tension and in our tissues? Yeah. So let's just kind of back up for people that maybe are like, what? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're geeking out really hardcore on this anatomy, you know? <laughs> um, so the sympathetic nervous system is what we often re refer to as our fight or flight response. So for, um, you know, when you're thinking about kind of evolution, or if you're looking at animals, which we are, yes. um, you're looking at those moments where all of a sudden you think, holy shit, I'm about to die, right? Yes. <laughs> and so what happens is this, this part of our system kicks in where there are all of these changes that happen. Our heart rate starts to go up, um, our blood pressure changes. Um, but yeah, our, our, tissues, our muscles, and, and therefore our fascia, um, is really engaged in a different way so that we are ready to either run, fight, or freeze. Freeze is the other option. And so in freezing, you are trying to keep as physically still as possible, whether it's um, just kind of like crouched behind something or whether it's playing dead. Um, which is another option. Um, so, so that's really kind of that, like, if you think about, you know, being at a starting line, like they're about to pull the trigger on the, on the gun and you are just like flexed and primed and ready for everything to burst out and go. Um, and so, you know, we, we often think about it from like an evolutionary perspective of, you know, the tiger is chasing us, um, or, um, 
you know, we have an enemy in front of us that we have to um, figure out how to deal with. Um, but the reality is in our culture, in our world right now, um, it's not that like, holy shit, we're going to die. It's like, oh crap, I forgot I left the oven on or, um, oh my gosh, here's that person I don't want to talk to or, you know, thing after thing after thing, you know, just watching television, you know, especially those of us that are highly sensitive, if we see somebody in a situation um, where their nervous system is reacting in that way, um, or we're led to believe it is, we're reacting in that way. So like, I remember working with a, a patient once who was having really, really bad headaches. And one of her favorite things was watching hockey. And she would be like on the edge of her seat and everything was just like tense and engaged. And I'm like, okay, so like maybe we can just get you to recognize that you're engaging all of your muscles at that point and see if you can just kind of soften and start to breathe a little bit slower. And you know, she came back and she's like, oh my gosh, that like really worked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. No, I noticed that. Like I was watching Scandal and all of a sudden I was like, I am so tense. Like I need to like take a break and walk around and, right? you know, um, yeah. and, and, and I, I also want to talk about in a minute what happens when we are in fight or flight and then we don't move. But anyway, we'll talk about that in, in a little right. bit. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. a whole other issue, but continue on with this wonderful education about that's the sympathetic system yeah yeah so yep. let's talk about parasympathetic so that's mm -hmm. where we call it the rest and digest um, and that's where we're really able to kind of calm down a little bit start to feel a little bit slower start to really take in an, our environment in um, a very holistic way so you're taking in all of the information and not just the pinpoint information that you get um, when you're in that sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight response. Um, and so this is when the blood flow is not going to our muscles and you know, being ready to fight, flight, or freeze, um, but is going to our digestive organs. It's going to our reproductive organs. And so we're able to like eat good food and take in the nutrients and have sex and give birth and do those things that really you can only do when you don't feel like you are in harm's way. Right. So if you think about, you know, so many of the issues that so many people um, have in our culture, um, a lot of it really is related to having that sympathetic nervous system engaged so much of the time. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking like digestive issues right off the bat. Absolutely, you know, and and kind of a the string of, you know, common common things that highly sensitive people find themselves with, like digest digestive issues and anxiety and tension anxiety, yep. and, you know, and all of these things are can be indicative of kind of a dysregulation of the sympathetic response. Um, and, you know, something that I'm learning about as well right now, I'm, I'm kind of in a self, I mean, I'm always in a self-study of this stuff, is how then, you know, when, when we are in um, sympathetic response more of the time than not, and we're actively triggered, it's really hard to access that. I think it's the, um, that uh, neocortex of our brain that allows us to think really logically and like really rationally and, and very calmly, like work our way through a situation. We're actually not able to get there. Like that part well, of yeah. the brain is 
it's yeah. almost like that visual vision, you know, being pinhole, but then the thinking becomes pinhole as well without being able to take in the full amount of information from, you know, a logical perspective and from an intuitive perspective, right? And that's Absolutely. The thing that I've noticed a lot in the work that I'm doing is um, in learning how to center myself and ground myself, in, which is essentially... Um, bringing myself into parasympathetic activation, um, I'm really able to pick up and process and work with so much more information. Whereas before it was just like whizzing by me and I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and there's, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there can be kind of a chronic tension effect in our tissues when we're in, when we have too much sympathetic response. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Right. Yeah. I know that in cases of like generalized anxiety disorder, that's one of the symptoms is tension, yep. right? Tension yep. because it's like, well, we're getting prepared to fight or flee, but then we're not actually doing that. And, and, you know, when a, a big animal would come up as and scare us and we would fight or we'd run or whatever, that would be an event. And then we would come back out of that event. Right. And yeah. I think that now with this um, onslaught of information that we have, you know, we're taking in information at such a fast rate. And as highly sensitive individuals, there's we're processing that information even deeper. And and I think I wonder if it's more than we're meant to take in. And so I, I see then the, the fascial part of this is such an important, such an important part. Yeah. And yeah. What, I, what I've noticed, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is that what's kind of cool about knowing this relationship between the nervous system and our tissues is that we can work from both ends. Like you can work to create more of a parasympathetic response to reduce tension. And what I've experienced is that you can get body work and like reduce tension in the tissues to create more of a calming response. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially when, you know, people are feeling that sense of like, oh, she is not putting me into protective mode. She's not putting me into fight or flight, right? So they start yeah. to realize what that feels like yeah. um, a little bit more. Yeah, and... You know, I would also say that when you're getting rid of fascial restrictions, which, you know, a lot of times is either a traumatic event, one-time traumatic event in our history, or a repetitive traumatic event in our history. And I use the word trauma in the physical sense, the emotional sense, you know, everything, because um, any form of trauma can re create fascial restrictions. Um, and that is then in our body until we process it, until we release it on all of those levels. Um, so not, you know, necessarily just the physical, but really allowing yourself to get into the emotional and, and sometimes even the mental component that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's the really cool and, and fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it was in one of the early episodes of this podcast talking to Elizabeth Rainey, you know, the more that we're able to um, 
do that work, we're really able to create a greater pool of resiliency within yes. us and to tap Definitely. into that, to have, be able to access more of, of us and not just right. like the fear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that brings me back to, I, I kind of lost my, my train there, but as we release those restrictions, then um, that trauma is not something that is um, just always in our um, experience all of the time. And so because of that, then we are able to come out of that sympathetic nervous system activation in a deeper way, you know, mm-hmm. each time, each time that happens. And you know, all of this work is work that um, I have experienced and I have gone through and has really changed my life. And I see, you know, each time I have um, body work in this way, whether it's self-treatment or whether it's treatment from other people, where I am releasing um, past trauma, you know, I come out the other side and it's like, I just sink so much more into me and who I am and being able to like take the things that are my essence and share them, um, which is so freaking cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really a way like I, it's so awesome. And, and it's like a way that we, we free up restriction in the body and we connect more deeply with, with our soul, you know, with our spirit, with the truth of who we are. And so I look at this, I mean, I, this is just me, my personal viewpoint, but I kind of see the work that you're doing and the work of, of this kind of fascial, um, you know, listening structural stuff as kind of like this bridge work between like the purely spiritual work and the purely physical work. Like it's this beautiful way that you get the body and the spirit to uh, align. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I also see what I'm doing as a bridge between mainstream medicine and what we really need as human beings, <laughs> yes. um, which is really great. Yes. It's fantastic. And I love that, that fa- like the information about fascia is becoming more mainstream. I know, right? Yeah. You know, yes. it's like, yay. <laughs> so if your listeners remember, it was, I don't know, maybe five or six months ago, there was this big kind of news report about interstitium, this new organ, and we've discovered this new organ. And like me and all of the other like body workers are kind of like, laughing and like pointing and like are they serious like really guys like this has been there all along and we've been working with it and really glad that you guys have like figured out a way to like um be able to observe it a little bit more and start to really see how important it is and like yeah it does actually have something to do with cancer production and like can we you know find a way to work with that and it's like yeah we already are but thanks for like joining the club (laughs) and like maybe you could have done a little more research and realized that this has actually already been out there but wouldn't have been quite as um, newsworthy I think if they hadn't well, and, and this might, this might sound a little bit meta, but I mean, you know, I see that and the way that science likes to progress, you know, in this kind of linear, very like specific, very linear, very, um, you know, check the boxes kind of engineered fashion that really seems to be an energy that the world is trying to break apart right now. Yeah. Not because it's bad or it's wrong, but because that way of doing things is limiting. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and this is one of the things that I kind of wonder, you know, I mean, people talk about this in many different ways. They talk about it as we're moving away from the masculine and moving into the feminine, or, you know, maybe a, a better way to say that is we're moving away from that solar energy of, you know, go, 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 and into more of a, a lunar um, energy. So we don't have to genderize it, but, <laughs> um, but, but basically I wonder if, if this is part of what's so challenging for highly, for all of us, but for highly sensitive people these days is, is that I don't know how, um, you know, how much we're meant to be on that like linear forward action, blah, 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 you know, because our bodies are meant to receive and take a moment and step back and integrate and, you know, rest and then maybe do something else do something. And yeah cycle yeah. right yeah definitely um and i i think you know mainstream medicine just really doesn't allow for that um if you look at the way that um you know just being kind of on the, the inside of um how our doctors and how our nurses and how you know me as a as a physical therapist my day is um, organized, there's really not time for me to necessarily be a little bit more reflective. Um, it can be within the, you know, the space that I have with my patients. And um, as a PT, um, you know, my, in my kind of hospital outpatient setting, I get 45 minutes with people, which is incredible compared to the 10 minutes that they spend with a specialist. Um, and so I really can kind of be a little bit more, you know, reflective, but um, then it's another person and then it's another person and then it's another person. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I really think the way that our medical professionals are kind of required to work, um, then of course they don't create and allow the space for us as individuals to kind of have that cyclical experience and have that reflective experience and really kind of come back around to it. Um, Right. And I mean, and I'll just relate this back. I'll just refer to, um, I'll put the episode in the notes, but the episode with Kat Kim, because um, basically, you know, we're, we're set, our medical model has to set up within, within the confines of capitalism and capitalism, you know, requires that there is a linearity and that, that it's profit driven and, yeah. um, you know, construction driven. And so, you know, it's interesting, those of us trying to figure out, okay, how do we, can we create more space within this system? Can we start to create alternatives to the system that better meet the needs of individuals? Yeah, it's all, it's all a big experiment right now. It is a big experiment and it's really exciting. And I think that, um, you know, I think you and I are both seeing kind of this wave of, um, you know, towards kind of this space and not necessarily being so about productivity and so about getting it done and moving on and going to the next thing and just chugging along and recognizing that, um, you know, taking time and, and space actually allows us to do more than when we have those active periods. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I just, you know, I actually, whenever I think about this, I go back to my, you know, my degree is in, in science and, you know, ecosystem biology and um, ecosystem yeah, but dynamics. And so like, many cycles there. There's nothing in nature that is always, no. you know, on. 
There's nothing (laughs) in nature that tries to do what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, and so when I look at these organisms that have been around for millennia, it's like, what the fuck are we doing? What are we thinking? What are we doing, <laughs> are we doing this for? You know, I, I definitely, um, you know, as I kind of come into this more like accepting the, the we can say like feminine energy or the cyclical sure. lunar energy um, in my system, you know, there's still part of me that's like, oh, you're just being lazy right now. You're being so lazy, oh, right? Yeah. And then if you look at animals, like, yeah, so there are a lot of animals, like the birds right now are crazy, right? They just sound like going from dawn to dusk, like go, 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 go all the time. But they are going to stop and they are going to completely shut off, right? And and we tend not to do that, yeah. um, especially if you look at um, um, animals that are that are hunters. I mean, you know, a lion will make a kill and then it just lays around for days, you know, it just chills. Um, I know. And, I'm so and, yeah, we, back as a male lion. I would just. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> or even a female lion. I don't even care, but man, that like hot sun and. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this because I've been in a period recently in my life where um, and this has happened to me in the past, but I, I'll go through a period of too much sympathetic activation mm-hmm. and I have panic attacks and then that keeps me in a period of sympathetic activation, right? This yeah. Thing. And then it's a process. And, you know, right now I'm doing a combination of body work and somatic experiencing to help mm. my system, you know, renegotiate that trauma in the body. And it's incredibly helpful. Um, but that's kind of where I go with this is like, wow the way that I'm doing things, the way that I've been taught, you know, that like you said, I feel lazy. Well, it's like, yeah, we've been swimming in the stories that tell us that productivity is like the thing to aspire to. And so then, um, and when we don't do that, so then we, we hear those stories and it's like, it's just really not working. You know, there's gotta be something else. (laughs) There's gotta be another way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just really excited for more and more people to realize it's really not working. Um, You know, and that's a lot of, a lot of what I see, what I do is, you know, I sometimes say that I'm like um, a translator for the body almost. And, you know, I'm kind of saying to people like, hey, you need to listen to your body a little bit more. The body really has a lot of information for you. And people are just pushing through all the time, whether it's pushing through to be stationary or whether it's pushing through to be, you know, extremely active in a way that is, um, is, is causing issues. And mm-hmm. um, nowhere in there is that like receptivity to, hey, your body's actually trying to tell you something right now. And this is what it is. Um, right. And even as more of the science comes out, like that, you know, science in, in epigenetics and, and things that show that like, hey, like, yeah, that trauma of your ancestors, totally hanging out in your cells. Right. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, right. I think that's another podcast episode. We could like totally go there. <laughs> I think we could totally go there, you know? And yeah. So clearly, like clearly this isn't working. And so I love that we get to have this conversation and and try to create a little bit more space for us to do it differently. I've been doing things yeah. differently because because my body has been like 
you got to do things differently, right? right? And so yeah. I respect that. And it's like, yeah. all right, I'm, I'm listening. Um, I'm yeah. Out how, how that will work. Yeah. And throwing away those old stories and creating new ones, which exactly. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Rewriting, rewriting. Yeah. Super important. I feel like we could talk all day. I'm like, oh I gosh. I kind of do too. <laughs> like, how long have we been doing this? <laughs> I know. We actually need to start, um, need to start uh, just wrapping it up. So where yeah. are you located? If people are interested in receiving yeah. work from you, where are you? Yeah. So I am in the Midcoast Maine area. I'm about um, 30 minutes north of Portland. Um, my office is in a cute little town called Brunswick. And um, I feel like, am I like the East Coast contingency for your podcast? Um, you might be right now. You know, I did just... I did just interview Slade, and he's in Tennessee. So, oh, is that where he is? Mm-hmm. I just listened to that one. I'm super excited to kind of uh, stalk him a little bit. So, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, he's, cool, he's fantastic. So, yeah, right. I, I, yes, but you might be, you might yeah. be holding down the East Coast fort for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I have a lovely little office that I'm um, really excited. I just moved into, and I'm establishing myself there. So. Awesome. And I'll definitely post links to your, your website and your Facebook page and, um, and all of those things. And yeah, thank you. And I would really just, I would love it. People, you know, that aren't in this area, um, feel free to reach out to me because, um, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot that can be done just kind of giving you information and kind of helping you find the right people to, to see. So absolutely. And so then I'm curious, Sarah, for you, like for your well-being to keep you healthy as a healer, mm-hmm. you know, negotiating with other people's bodies, what do you do? What's your yeah. self-care look like? So definitely self-treating every day. That's um, John, who is the, um, the kind of founder and teacher of the type of work that I do, says that we really should be self-treating every day. And I think, honestly, I'm one of the few people that I um, that I work with that do that. And again, it's just my body demands it. Um, my mm-hmm. system demands it. So mm-hmm. I'm self-treating every day in one way or another, even if it's just kind of on my way home from work, <laughs> yeah. one hand on my shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then um, I have a regular meditation practice. Um, sometimes that includes yoga, but a lot of times um, what used to be my yoga time is my self-treatment time. Um, and then, you know, more and more just kind of coming into whatever else it need, whatever else it is that I need for that day and that time um, and moving away from that kind of linear, like, oh, I have to do strength training on this day and I have to, you know, kind of do this on this day um, and really just feeling into my system and listening and saying like, okay, do I need to be outside? Do I need to be um, using energy or do I need to be kind of calming myself down a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that kind of comes out in, in a lot of different ways. I live really close to a little river. So sometimes I'm in there kind of swimming and getting my heart rate up. Sometimes I'm in there floating and just looking at the birds around me, mm-hmm. um, walking I, in I- the woods and soaking up that. Yeah. So nature definitely is a big part of that as well. 
Can I just say that what strikes me is how revolutionary that sounds. You know, this idea that you're not feeding into a system that tells you you have to work this much yeah. and exercise this much and this and this and this, you know, that linear, yeah. but like how revolutionary to listen. Yeah, it feels like it. Choose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It, it's really similar. It's more and more what I'm kind of, what I'm coming to and what people around me have been coming to is, you know, it, it, it's a sense of rebellion to listen mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. wisdom of, of your body, ourselves. of, of your, ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. joke with people that I want to do, um, I want to write a book and, and um for a year, just try to do all of the things that our doctors tell us that we should be doing every day, because I think it's a full-time job. Oh, of <laughs> you know, course. If you're actually doing all of the things that we are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so then that's just another level of stress that we're placing on our bodies and on our systems and feeling like we're not good enough mm -hmm. um, or we're not doing what we should be doing. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just tuning in and listening is revolutionary. And it's really what we need to be doing for ourselves. And that's really what self-care is, you know? And I and I ask this question because I get such great answers from people, you know, because it's like, it's not like, oh, I get a pedicure every Thursday. Not that there's anything wrong with pedicures. Pedicure right, every, yeah. But it's not like, different. oh, I like do this and that. And that's like, well, yeah, I'm going to pay attention and listen yeah. to Yeah, yeah. Um, something I've, I've, I've come up with lately is instead of, you know, we used to create to-do lists for self-care. I need to do this, you know, or even just life, this and this and this and this. And now I create menus mm, where it's like, here's yes. a menu of things. I think about that too. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and then I'm going to decide based on right. how I feel that day, what I'm going to choose from that menu. Yeah. And what my needs are. Do I need to mm -hmm. have fun and be playful? Do I need mm -hmm. to be quiet and alone? Do I need mm -hmm. to be in nature? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. And it honors, it honors natural rhythm, you know, right. natural rhythm. Yeah. All right, Sarah. So what is the one thing that you would love all of our listeners to know? Um, I, I think it really is that you can trust yourself, mm. <laughs> right? That your body, your system, really, it really knows what it needs. And when you start listening and you start not paying attention to the bullshit that is being put on you by you know, what is out there, um, that, yeah, you have it. It's in you. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. It's been so much fun. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the soul of sensitivity show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.